Blog Talk Radio. morning, it's Tuesday, March 19th, 2013, on the west coast of Canada. This is the Mind Whisperer. Hello and welcome to the program, I'm Michael Gordon. Glad to have you here. If you're listening in to the archive show, thank you for tuning into the program. We are very rapidly approaching 3,000 listens on the show, and I'm very excited about that. Um, I do apologize this morning. I'm actually a little bit stuffed up uh, from seasonal allergies here, but that means spring has arrived uh, with great anticipation here uh, on the West Coast. Uh, so we're broadcasting to you at the moment. If you're listening live over the internet. Uh, from Vancouver, Canada. And uh, today we have a really great topic. We've been sort of building up to this in the last uh, few programs, and, and you know, really everything does come back down to this topic today, um, which really deals with our core self-worth and our identity and how we've evolved as a person and how that allows us to, um, or sets us up to have challenges with uh, interrelating with others. The last program was... Uh, talking about uh, Tantra and uh, sensuality and um, relating to reality in a very direct way and engaging with reality. And uh, today we're going to explore how that specifically involves our intimate relationships, romantic relationships. So we talked last program about Eros, which is the root word for eroticism, and uh, not so much erotic in the sexual sense of sexual relationship, but in the appreciate the deep appreciation of life and relating to life in a uh, in a sort of very juicy sensual way. And um, I said in the last program that eros, the way that uh, Plato looked at the subject, um, he applied it to a deeper relationship and appreciation and connection with uh, the idea of l- love and appreciation of even ideas. So the Platonic ideal is about love of community, love of ideas, love of society, and um, hence the word, the term Platonic love, that we're able to love people in, with a higher ideal of love, and that still has an, an, an erotic quality to it. Well, today we're talking about the entwined lovers, and this, the topic today is titled uh, "Together but Separate Conscious Love." So, what does that mean? Let's let's get right to that. And I'm going to start off with reading you a quote uh, from the book that I am soon to be publishing, uh, which is going to be called "Mindful You: A Guide to." Uh, fearlessly and mindfully, consciously uh, living daily life. Something like that. (laughs) I can't even remember the title of the book. (laughs) Uh, I should have had that written down today. 
regardless, um, I'm going to read you a quote from the, the draft of the book. And this really addresses what we bring to relationship. And, you know, we, we've all been raised on this fairy tale idea that we're going to meet the perfect person. And then because we've met that perfect person, the relationship will just unfold naturally and very easily. And the reason this is a fairy tale is because we are bringing into that relationship and the relationship becomes defined by our own patterns. And specifically, they're patterns that are set and conditioned early in life with what's called our attachments. Uh, so that, that our bonds, healthy bonds are our broken bonds of attachment with our caregivers um, our primary caregivers really define how we uh, relate to others and our sense of uh, internal sense of security and well-being in the world and how we are be able to form attachments later on. So there, there is no great mystery to this that there's somehow some magic person that's going to come along and, and be perfectly suited to you. There is, but it's still going to, what they're going to do is be able to um, work with you and help you in whatever way that you might need to um, learn to trust or build intimacy as an adult where it, you were sort of conditioned um, in a difficult way from a young age and still kind of reacting from that place. So I'm going to read you this quote now and we can sort of discuss this a little bit. Uh, the quote is, was there someone or something not enough in your early life? I'm going to read that again. Was there someone or something, quote, not enough? enough, unquote, in your early life. When we focus on and limit our gaze of our significant other based on their shortcomings, we're seeing them through the filter of our own emotional scarcity. They are as they are, and the illusion of entitlement to an idealized love makes it impossible to see them as they really are and engage with them for vulnerability and awe. Our own capacity or incapacity to receive love determines our readiness to meet them and see them authentically and respond more openly and selflessly. Now, there's a lot packed into that statement, and I'm going to sort of unpack it right now and explore this, this issue a little bit closer. And coming back to that quote, what this is talking about is that one of the deterministic or, or sort of overriding uh, templates of our early life that can really set us up, even at the genetic level, is a, a sense of lack. That there, there was any neglect or any real lack in a material way in our early life if we grew up in uh, economically disadvantaged, deprived, uh, where there was real scarcity, but particularly even when we grow up in, in emotional scarcity. And this is very true in the North American uh, culture. The nuclear family really can um, leave children feeling very pressured to conform and, and please their parents. And um, modern life is very busy, and so children can often be left alone or with other caregivers, and, and it can be a very alienating experience. And we know from the research now that, um, you know, children uh, adapt to that kind of neglect or abandonment um, in, in various ways. And these are the attachment styles, so, so to speak. Um, that's a very helpful way to understand how we adapt. 
So if we grew up with a sense that love was not unconditional or love was not uh, consistent, that caregiving wasn't consistent and that we were not made to be the priority and it was put into doubt at all or there was any threat of that being in doubt. You know, for example, a single parent who was busy dating or um, uh, addictive parents or alcoholic parents who are so narcissistically focused on their own addiction that they... Uh, the children just feel emotionally abandoned. So even if, you know, as a therapist, I have many clients who say, well, you know, I grew up comfortable. My parents took care of me. You know, I, I mean, never suffered physically, materially, and there's no overt abuse. However, they grew up in a with a with a, a scarcity of emotional um, nourishment. And so that's what this quote is addressing: is that if we grow up, then our world view is very much subconsciously defined by there is not enough. Our focus is on um, scanning the world and seeing that uh, I've got to be on guard because um, you know I've got to make sure I'm taken care of. It's a real survival kind of mentality. And so what that can do is precondition us to be looking for danger for faults in our partner and, and, and distrust love. And so we become focused on our partner's flaws. And it really is all about us. It's all about our early upbringing and how we're projecting that. And it gets in the way of seeing the other person for who they truly are because they just are who they are. And if you can come to terms with that and work on that and work with that and then be choosing a partner, first of all, that is actually coming from a more whole self-worth within yourself, um, then, of course, you're, you're not depriving yourself. And this is where we... You know, you get into really difficult um, emotional and personality disorders, like what's called borderline personality disorder, where you get this really irrational response, and that is the person kind of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the person is looking for that idealized love that I referred to, that parent and that quality of parenting that was, wasn't there in childhood. And so they are out there seeking this absolute acceptance and conditional unconditional acceptance in the world in their partners etc and of course it's not possible it's a very childlike um, fantasy and and unfulfilled need and so then that you know personality disorder that becomes very distorted and and there's an antagonistic response and all of a sudden you start vilifying and um, feeling very threatened and and turning that person who is the object of your desire for unconditional love into the devil, into, I don't mean in, in a schizophrenic way, but I mean in terms of um, now seeing them as a horrible person and they are the responsible for your suffering. And so it makes it very quite impossible to have relationships. But we all do this to some extent. We, we blame the other person because we're not getting what we need or they're not enough for us. And so we start to shut down. So typically what you see is people saying, well, you know, I love my husband. I want more attention from him. But I, I just know if I say, honey, I'd love it if you touch me more or, you know, hug me or say you love me more often, you know, it would really make me feel good. But I know what he'll do. He'll just say, oh, you're needy or, you know, stop nagging me. And so you start to, to edit yourself and self-select out of asking for what you need. And that puts you right back in the wound of your childhood. And you so that self-deprivation becomes very wounding because now you're an adult and you can't blame anybody else. It's you that's in the situation where you have opted out because you know you, you your partner won't. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, as I said. 
So this can be a very, very um, difficult thing to work through unless you catch it and understand. It's all coming through your own filter of um, the lack, the scarcity. And this brings us to the point of... Uh, uh, and at the end of that quote is talking about then our capacity or incapacity to receive love determines our ability to see the other person for who they really are. And receiving love means it requires us to be have an intact self-worth, that we actually believe on a deep level that fundamentally we deserve to be loved. And, and you're not going to find that out quite often if that's not whole uh, subconsciously for yourself uh, at a mind-body level until it's tested in relationship. So either you keep proving by picking the wrong person that you don't deserve or you get into a relationship with someone who's really great and you push them away. You have intimacy issues because you an unconscious level, don't believe it's actually possible because you didn't grow up with it. So it creates all kinds of havoc. Now, the, the fundamental thing I wanted to address today, and the reason this title of this, of this talk is The Entwined Lovers, is that there's a, a stage of early development um, that um, really speaks to this, and that is when you're uh, at the infant stage, and even prior, you know, prenatal, but um, certainly at the infant stage and you've been, you're born and bonded to your parent, at that development, you don't have any distinction or what's called differentiation um, between having a sense of self, that there's a physical, uh, a sense of your, your regard of who you are or awareness of who you are as a distinct organism and, 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 um, being in in a, in a in a boundary sense uh from other things so that's why you put mobiles over the baby's crib and you you do very interactive things with babies because their eyesight only goes a few feet if that at the very beginning and you have to start teaching them you know spatial perception and, and depth perception and um they start to engage with objects and develop their senses and that's just part of um human development at that stage and they begin to understand after a while that there are there, the world is other than them, that the world is not just all an extension of them, and you have to teach and, and uh, orient them to the world so that they start to see that that, that um, they can grow more and more and more a sense of who that they are a distinct being within a world that's interdependent. And so if that's all very healthy, by the time you get to late adolescence, the person knows their love. They've formed relationships and friendships. They've, you know, bonded with um, people other than their parents. They maybe have had a romantic sexual relationship, and they're ready to maybe go off to school or start going out into the working world and moving out of home, perhaps, because they have an intact sense of being an autonomous adult. So you can see how that, if that is right at the beginning, if that is um, interrupted, then at that stage where you were very, very early on learning that you have your own feelings and how to name them and all these things. Um, if that is distorted, then you can get stuck in this stage of what we call enmeshment and accept that you're, it's inappropriate because now you're an adult and you're supposed to be, again, autonomous and interdependent and responsible for your own feelings and communication and know that you can trust, that you can interact with other people. And if that enmeshed stage never evolves 
if you never learned how to stand on your own two feet emotionally and ask for help or you know um, meet your own needs or, or in, in terms of even just asking for love, affection, care, support, whatever it is, then you are fundamentally stuck in the sort of narcissistic stage of childhood, which is that everything is an extension of you. And where this comes to play into relationship is that, is exactly what I was getting out of the previous quote, that you unconsciously are kind of reacting because in a very irrational, infant-like way almost, that the your partner is not doing what you need them to do. And you're actually relating to them as if they are your your caregiver and they're supposed to just respond to every need that you have, which is what is appropriate when you're an infant. You lie there, you cry, you're too hot, too cold, itchy, whatever, and you cry and a caregiver comes and you learn that I, I'm a person who can be cared for and you know that you, you, you can survive in the world. You're a dependent little creature. And then you start, start to learn self-dependence. You can tie your own shoes, you can ride a bike, etc., etc. So if that is distorted or interrupted at the early stage, it stays with us. And we play that pattern out in our relationships. And that leads to this, what's the term in ther- therapy, which is called enmeshment. And uh, so that sets us up to have a very, very distorted view of um, not being able to differentiate that the, our partner is another person. And so I'm going to read you another quote now from the book. Okay, and this goes right to what I was saying, and I think I'll close with this today. Such a big topic, and uh, I just want to really introduce this topic to you, and I am packing a lot of information in here. Here's the quote. We have to connect to, uphold, and nourish our own core value in order to attract a true soulmate who will fulfill this role for us. Let me read that again. We have to connect to, uphold, and nourish our own core value in order to attract a true soulmate who will fulfill this role for us. In other words, if you're not whole inside at the beginning, if you're not if you don't know what your wounds are, you're going to be attracting a partner from that place regardless. So the more you are taking care of yourself, have worked through your core whatever core issues you you might have and you're a self-actualized person so to speak, then the more you are consciously going to be choosing the right kind of person for you. Otherwise, you're going to be choosing them from this unconscious place of need. From the vulnerability of working with ourselves where where we are, that means it's not about being perfect. It's about knowing where your wounds are and what you have to work on. So you can't just blame the other person. From the vulnerability of working with ourselves where we are with openness, acceptance, and loving kindness, we are receptive to love. Thus we see the mirror which means the mirror that the, our partner is holding up to us. When we get into fights or arguments, our reactions are our own. So your partner is just sort of mirroring what your own reaction back to yourself. Um, we see the mirror as a reflection of ourselves in the gentle and neutral embrace of our beloved rather than smashing the mirror and thus our partner in narcissistic rage. It goes back to what I was saying about the enmeshment, that you kind of don't see the other person objectively as another person. You just lash out because they're not automatically understanding what's you know going on for you and meeting your needs. So 
in their conscious relationship, they're going to be able to hold that space with you or you with them and say, wow, you know, there's some stuff coming up here for you and let's let's see what, you know, what we can, how we can work with this because it belongs to you, not to me. And thus, we attract, recognize, and reflect lovingly with our soulmate in a reciprocal way, which is what I was just saying about um, holding the mirror up to the other person, you know, and, and allowing them to encounter their own difficulties. Uh, so that's the excerpt. Oh, there we go. There's the title of my book. From the upcoming book, Mindful You, A Guide to Living and Loving Fearlessly, Consciously, and On Purpose. So stay tuned for that book to be coming out. Um, that really takes us to the end of the program today. Um, we may extend this program next time because, as always, these topics are so... Um, you know, they have such depth and um, complexity to them, and uh, I want to bring the, you know, the full value and discussion. So for now, that's it uh, on the Mind Whisperer, and um, we'll see you next time on the program. Thanks for listening. Please do look up our Twitter and Facebook uh, pages and, and uh, spread the good word. Uh, I'm Michael Gordon. I've been your host today, as always, and uh, we'll see you next time on the program. Thanks for all your support and take care see you soon